There's a story about my dad that really shows his character both as a person and as a parent. When my brother Merritt was in high school, he and his buddies got into toilet papering people's yards. And y'all know what I'm talking about. When you take the roll and you toss it in the air, or you fling it, or you launch it somehow, and you try and catch the trees. Let me tell you that Homewood, Alabama is a great place for toilet papering because the trees are lush and they're tall, pines, magnolias, and taller dogwoods. They're, they're just beautiful there. But the way that my brother and his buddies would do this is that they would toilet paper only each other's houses. And then they would call up the house and say, hey, how did we do? How does it look? What do you think? And they'd get feedback from each other. They didn't toilet paper random people's houses or other people, just each other. And they, they wanted to know how they had done. As far as I knew, the families were okay with this. Nobody ever complained until one Saturday morning when my dad got a phone call from Jeremy's father. Jeremy's father was none too pleased. He was rather upset about it and said that Merritt needed to come over and clean it up. My father knew the toilet papering was going on. He knew it was happening. In fact, we have pictures in our family photo album of one spectacular toilet papering that happened at our house. He was so impressed that he took pictures of it. So he knew it was happening, and he never told Merritt not to do it. So when Merritt needed to go and clean up Jeremy's yard, my dad went with him because my dad said, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do with you. And I think that says a lot about my dad in his character and how his parenting style was. He never asked us to do something he wasn't willing to do himself. We wouldn't have to wash the cars unless he was helping us do it. He never asked me to clean anything in the house that he wasn't willing to do himself. He never asked or placed a burden on us that he wasn't willing to carry himself. That's what today's passage is about. It's specifically that Jesus does not ask more of us than Jesus is willing to do. More specifically, it's about the religious leaders of the time and how they would place burdens on people that they themselves were not willing to do. And that's where we're going to go with it this morning. Things that we're not being asked more than someone else is asking us to do. The job of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes was to interpret the law. And they'd spent generations interpreting God's law. For instance, we know it's clear in the law that on the seventh day of the week, it's to be a holy day to God. It's to be a Sabbath day. It's to be a day of rest. And so there came times and times again where they needed to define the word work. What did work entail? Is helping an injured animal work, or can that wait a day? Is feeding and watering the animals work, or can that wait a day? And all of these interpretations were being written down and passed down in oral and both written form. Well, the problem was, over time, the interpretations became more important than the law itself. And it became so convoluted and so mishmashed, it was not able to be navigated. It became such a burden on people, there was no hope at ever functioning under all of these interpretations of the law and getting it right. 
And yet the religious leaders were placing that burden on people, saying, you've got to do this, don't do this. And they were asking things of people that they were not willing to do themselves. And it is that environment in which Jesus speaks. I want to read the scripture again to you this morning. Come to me, all you that are weary and that are carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, that scripture raises several questions. What is Jesus' yoke? How is Jesus' yoke easy? And how is the burden light? How is Jesus' yoke different than what the religious leaders were asking? Jesus says, learn from me. Well, what is it that we are to learn from Jesus? When asked, Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest commandment is to love God with all that you have and all that you are. And the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. But not just the dude that lives next door to you, that looks like you, talks like you, thinks like you, dresses like you, lives like you, and believes like you. We have to love the neighbor that society tells us we're not supposed to. We have to love the neighbor that makes us uneasy, the one that's supposed to be silent, the one that speaks a different language, that worships something different than we do. We're supposed to love the neighbor that we're told to silence, keep away, keep, and just ignore. But that's the neighbor we are to love. Jesus said the commandment is to love God and love your neighbor. Last week in our Sunday morning Bible study, there was a part in the study manual that I think all of us probably highlighted, and it just touched us. We got it. We got what it was saying, and it was quoting a Jewish rabbi and scholar named Hillel. And Hillel was active and alive in the time just before Jesus. They would have been contemporaries just slightly before him. And as the story goes, a non-Jew came to Hillel and said, sum up the law for me while I'm standing on one foot. And Hillel said this, what is hateful to yourself, do not do to your neighbor. This is the whole law. The rest is commentary. Jesus just flips it to the positive. Love God, love your neighbor. That's the whole law. The rest is commentary. Love God, love your neighbor. That's the whole law. The rest is commentary. I think that's Jesus' yoke. Love God and love your neighbor. On the surface, that sounds easy. On the surface, that sounds light. Love God, love your neighbor, and the rest of it's going to take care of itself. Okay, I can do that. But then it starts to become a little bit difficult. There are times in our lives when we really don't want to love God. We're too mad. And there are times in our lives when, really, do I really have to love that guy? Really? And there are times when it gets difficult. But remember, Jesus never asks more of us than he has already done. Jesus has already loved. Jesus loves, and Jesus loves well. He's not placing a burden on us that's not too heavy, that's not too light, 
because Jesus has already carried it. He's not asking us to do more than he has already done. He says in there that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he says that you will find rest for your souls. Come to me, those who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your souls. What is he talking about there? I think he's talking about two different things. He's talking about two different things. First, he's saying, follow me. Do what I'm teaching you to do. Accept this life with this yoke. It's not hard. It's light. And you will find rest for your souls and salvation. Salvation will be what you receive for following Christ. When we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and we accept his teachings and we live out those teachings, our soul will find rest with the Holy Creator who loves us more than we can ever possibly imagine. That is true rest for our souls. It's joyful rest, but it'll be rest. But I think the second thing that he's talking about is that we can find rest in the here and now. We've talked about it before, that God's kingdom exists here and now and in this place. And here and now and in this place, we can find rest for our souls. It's about being in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about being in a current, positive, uplifting, powerful, supportive relationship with Jesus Christ. And we find solace and rest for our souls now in that relationship. That's what today's hymn is all about. That's what this hymn is all about. What a Friend We Have in Jesus was written by Joseph Medlicott Shriven. Joseph Medlicott Shriven in 1855, and here's the story. A neighbor sitting up with Shriven in his illness happened upon a manuscript of What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So Shriven is sick, and a buddy's sitting with him, and I guess the buddy got bored and started digging around in the house and found this manuscript. Reading it with great delight and questioning Mr. Shriven about it, he said he had composed it for his mother to comfort her in a time of special sorrow, not intending anyone else should see it. What a friend in Jesus was written for his mom in a time when she was in great pain. It was written for a loved one who was in pain, who was suffering, and what is the hope that he offered? Prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. There is no right way or wrong way to pray. There is no right set of words you have to say or right posture you have to be in or right attitude you have to be in in prayer. Prayer is nothing less than conversation. That's all prayer is. It's putting ourselves in a place to have a conversation with Jesus. I saw something from a friend of mine on Facebook about a week and a half ago that, that's got me curious, and I'm thinking I might go try it at the end of the month. She went to an event called Painting and Prayer, and it was at a spirituality center, and she posted pictures of, of canvases, small canvases, that were colored just in a variety of different ways, different colors, different, different textures, different shapes, and you can almost see in them joys and concerns thoughts and emotions, past, present, future. And it got me to thinking they were praying while they were painting, or maybe they were painting while 
they were praying. And it's what came out of their prayer or what led their prayer. And it was a creative way to be in conversation with the Lord. A creative way to bring in a side of you maybe that isn't activated very often for most of us. So it sounded interesting to me. And, and it made me think that there's not one right way to pray. We can pray in many different ways. Some of us have this understanding that I can't take everything to God in prayer. Some of us have this understanding, well, what's going on in my life is so much less than what somebody else is going through, I can't bring it up in prayer. I should be blessed. I shouldn't worry about my own struggles because somebody's got something worse. Or we think, oh, God's not interested. God's got bigger things to do. A few years before Steve and I got together, I had an acquaintance say, that she didn't pray about her relationships with her boyfriends because God has bigger things to worry about than who she's dating. She thought, you know, you got floods, you got famines, you got all this other stuff. What does God care about who I choose to marry? And I remember reacting with such disbelief because I didn't agree with her at all. I didn't agree with her at all. Because for me, the choice of who is going to be stuck with me for the rest of my life, who's going to have to put up with this, was going to be a big decision. And I knew that God, because God loves all of us, God loves me, God wants me to be in a loving and caring relationship. So why wouldn't I pray for God to give me the guidance that I wouldn't pray for a future spouse who can match this? Why wouldn't I bring that to God? I agree with Mr. Shriven. There is nothing too little or nothing too big that we can't take to God. There's absolutely nothing in your life that God doesn't know isn't already happening anyway. So why can't we take our cares and our concerns to God in prayer? Everything, anytime, anywhere, whatever it is, we can take to God in prayer. I look out at each of you, and I know who's not in this room, and I know the trials, and I'm just going to say the crud that's going on in life right now. There is pain, there is hurt, there is sorrow, there is concern. I just think of Walter and how blessed we are that he is still with us. And that we're going to... His favorite hymn is coming up in August, the old rugged cross, and he is determined to be here for that. That's, that's clear. And Dalen is just, praise God, we have him still. Dalen is, his trials and struggles and tribulations are not going to be over anytime soon. And then I look at Sherry and Mike, the last year and a half. And y'all know the pain that I'm in right now dealing with the grief of my own mom. Every single one of those can be given to God in prayer. We've got families in this congregation that are tearing apart, have torn apart, have fallen apart. We've got people who have lost jobs. We've got people who are facing medical mysteries that doctors can't even figure out which way is up with. We've got parents who are in pain. We've got kids who are in pain. 
And every single bit of it can be taken to God in prayer. And trust me, I, here's how I pray for all of you, because God bless church members, you sit in the same seat every week. So I can just start at the front, work my way back on this side, and then come back down the other side. And I hit all of you based on where you're sitting. I know what's going on. And I also know that some of you have not told me what's going on in your life. I know that some of you have got stuff happening that I don't know about. You're being prayed for anyway. Whatever it is that's going on, you're being prayed for. Jesus says that his yoke is easy and that his burden is light. His yoke is to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. On the days when it's hard for us to love God, we say, God, I'm sorry, why did you let this happen? When it's hard to love ourselves, it's like, I'm so disappointed that I did not get X done this week, God. I'm struggling here. And when God tells us to love our neighbor, and I don't want to with this one, all of those we take to the Lord in prayer. When we are unable to even carry the easy and light yoke and burden, we're able to say, Jesus, help me. Help me here. This is why Shriven says, what a friend we have in Jesus. A friend that we can call up anytime we want and say, I'm struggling. And Jesus is there. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.